Welcome to Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, here with a good friend today, Ryan McDowell. Ryan, I believe you were second time on the show. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, second time and uh, glad to uh, glad to work around the schedule of a teacher. This is, uh, you know, <laughs> at least one good thing uh, coming from Election Day this year is uh, I get to hang out with you a little while. Well, there, there is nobody who has more respect for teachers than me. My wife's a teacher. She's been a teacher for, shoot, probably 15 years. My, my mom's been a teacher for 40 years. So so thank you for doing that. I'm, I'm sure fantasy football is a nice little little break from, from the kids. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it up. Taking one of the three questions away, what age kids do you teach? <laughs> I teach elementary PE. So I've, I've got oh. kindergarten through fifth grade PE. Yeah, it's, that sounds it's fantastic. Best. It's best. <laughs> yeah, sounds absolutely. <laughs> like my son's in middle school right now. And if I was a middle school teacher, I think I might have already been arrested just because uh, they are so yeah. difficult to deal with. Yeah, I, so I coached for a while. I coached cross country and track, and and dealt with the middle schoolers and high schoolers there. And and uh, it, you know, it made me very uh, very happy about my <laughs> choice to go towards the elementary route. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's good. It's it's a fun deal, and uh, yeah, fun, fantasy football is pretty fun too, though. Absolutely. So on today's show, we are going to talk some deeper waiver wire options. We've got some something new this week. A uh, good friend of the show, Rob Thomas, put out on Facebook asking in our Facebook group, which you should join, what players the people had questions for Ryan about in terms of their value. So we're going to go over a few of those. And then Ryan has some mid-season ADP risers and fallers based on Dynasty League football ADP. And Ryan, I do want to, on this first question, and I'll kind of group these two things in together. If you want to tell us what you've got going on over at DLF, and then you've got it in your Twitter bio, and I've heard you talk about it before. I like to introduce the audience to new ideas. Can you kind of explain productive struggle for us? Yeah, well, you know, like like you and like everybody else in this space, it's it's certainly a busy time for for me. I've got uh, three weekly podcasts uh, that, that I do, uh, mix that in with that, with that teaching. Uh, and then a couple articles every week. Uh, one of them, my favorite one to do is called dynasty blueprint. And, uh, you know, that was, that was actually the name of a, a former podcast I was, I was on. I think you probably got to visit with us a couple times during, uh, during that run, but really dynasty blueprint, just kind of taking a look at, uh, the top stories of the week and and my take on those things from a dynasty standpoint. Um, as far as the productive struggle, um, yeah, that was it's a it's a startup draft strategy uh, idea that I had uh, about ten years ago now and and wrote about it. Uh, the The thesis is you're you're willing to lose in year one of a dynasty league. You're you're willing to take your lumps. Not only willing, but you're making moves uh, to ensure that happens. Uh, you, you struggle in week one and uh, hopefully the production comes, the productive piece of that comes in year two and beyond when you uh, hopefully get the 1.01 in your, in your rookie draft that next year and, and build a, build a team around young, valuable players. Um, so productive struggle is actually an edu- uh, education term. So I, I pulled that from, uh, from my other career to, uh, to apply to fantasy football. Yeah, I've got some unproductive struggle going in a league that yeah, we that <laughs> we just started this this year in the preseason, and it's been kind of a running joke on the show. All the players that I've cursed um, because I, you know, I started off, and I, I think it was 
What changed it for me was when I got to the three, four turn and Cooper cup and Travis Kelsey were both still there. Yeah, and I thought, yeah. well, you know, I might as well just go win the league. And I swear I drafted every injured veteran and it's not the worst part is I'm five and four. And some of these guys, right. there's still some Back hope the that middle, they'll be right. better. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm just going to, I thankfully, I didn't trade my first round 2024 pick as a part of all this mess. So I'm just kind of writing it out until we get to the trade deadline. And then I'll decide, am I going to sell Kelsey and the guys who aren't terrible yet? Or am I going to push for this year and try to still win in year one? And that brings me to my next question. We As we get closer to Thanksgiving, that's kind of the point where a lot of trade deadlines mm-hmm. are. Now, I'm in some dynasty leagues where there is no trade deadline. So I kind of wonder, I know you've done a lot of commissioner work in the past, some commissioner podcasts as well, I believe. Yeah, what yeah. What do you believe the best way to do a trade deadline in dynasty is? So we do have a trade deadline in in the leagues that I commish. Um, what, what I would call a hard trade deadline, a typical trade deadline of once it goes past week 10, week 12, week 13, whatever you want to choose, uh, obviously there's no more trading. What I actually prefer and what I would like to implement in my leagues and certainly in any new leagues is more of a soft cap. You've got that, you've got that deadline. Uh, you can still trade beyond that deadline, but you've got to go ahead and pay for the next year because that's what I, that's the dangers of no trade trade deadline is a team goes all in, they trade all those picks away. They don't win the league or maybe even they do win the league and then they bail. They leave uh, a team that's pretty ugly for the next manager to take over. Um, that's, that's really, to me, the number one purpose of having a trade deadline is um, ensuring uh, somewhat of a, of a balanced league moving forward in, in the following year. So um, that's, that's kind of my favorite uh, right. way to do it right now is that soft deadline. If you trade after week 12, week 10, whatever, whatever date you want to choose, you've got to go ahead and pay for the next season and, and kind of claim your spot moving forward. I think the way that John Bosch does it in one of the leagues that I'm in of his is basically if you trade your first round pick from a given year, you must pay for that year. So you could pay, trade your 2024 pick in week one, and you've got to pay for 2024. You can trade your 2025 pick. You got to go ahead and pay for for 2025 now. If, if the, the, it's not so much when when the trade deadline is. It's just that that first round pick is the marker. If you're going to trade your first round pick from a year, you have to pay for that year. But I, but I do agree, like some sort of thing to prevent. And I think the other thing, like another league I'm in, you just always have to pay a year ahead. We paid two years at the very beginning. Yeah. And then you're always, when you pay each year, you're paying for the next year, which kind of prevents some of that as well. It's something to make sure that people don't dump a team with no future prospects. Definitely important. Um, we talked about productive struggle. What unproductive rookie are you still holding out hope for? Uh, there's a bunch actually. Um, and, and I think there's probably some chalk answers here, you know, maybe it's Bryce Young or Quentin Johnston. I'm, I'm not so confident in those guys. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily confident in them uh, heading into the league at, at their rookie ADP or their rookie value. So I, I mostly stayed away from those guys. I really like Zach Charbonnet. I think he's the easiest answer. Mm-hmm. We're seeing him uh, get more and more involved each week. And uh, so he's, he's honestly my favorite uh, trade target in Dynasty right now. Uh, digging a little deeper, Cedric Tillman, Jonathan Mingo, still have hope for those guys. Yep. And I don't think we've even seen this guy on the field, but just uh, just a soft spot in my heart. I love Izzy Abanacanda. 
Yes. He is he is buried on that Jets depth chart, uh, but uh, he's still hanging on to a spot on my rosters at least. It, it's not it's not difficult to see the path, and it's just because I also love Izzy Abanacanda. He's on every practice squad that I've got, I think, or or most of them. But it's like they just get tired of Dalvin Cook because that's a complete yeah. waste of a touch, and he's gone. That, and then yeah, one of awesome. Carter or Hall goes down, and all of a sudden he's touching the ball ten times a game. So it's there's still hope for this year. And the other thing about him was he came into the NFL as a twenty year old. Like yeah. he could just not play the entire season this year, and next year he's going to be younger than most of the rookie running backs. So I, I'm definitely still holding out hope for him. Good, I'm I'm in good company on that one. <laughs> so I. I want to get to a couple of big news items here before we get to the rest of the show. And one of them kind of shocked me when I went through, because what I try to do on Monday night, Tuesday, before we get to the Dynasty show is do my weekly kind of Dynasty rankings update, move the guys that need to be moved. And the biggest news item in, in terms of that front, Daniel Jones out for the year with a torn ACL. And I have a reputation on the CBS podcasts for mocking the giants, mocking Daniel Jones, mocking every, everything about that franchise. But also I think I've been higher on Daniel Jones and dynasty than most people because that rushing ability, he's so such a better fantasy football quarterback than real life quarterback. And this injury, I like, does it just completely crush his value? It, it feels like we had this, idea that well the giants gave him all this money they have to pay him basically through 2025 they're definitely not going to draft a quarterback this coming year and all of a sudden they've got tommy devito starting they've got two wins darren waller and mm -hmm. daniel jones are both on ir and i can see a path to where daniel jones doesn't start more than a few games next year and he's done yeah it it, it really does i think kill his value and, and that doesn't mean that it kills his chances to be a starter in the league in, in a year and a half or two years. Uh, but from a dynasty value standpoint, th this is really a, a huge blow. Um, not only the severity of the injury, but the timing of the injury. And honestly, just how poor he was playing when he was on the field earlier this season. Um, at, you know, outside of last year when he had seven quarterback one games, this is not a player that we've seen huge upside from right. uh, in general. And, you know, knowing the dynasty community a little bit and really just knowing the, the fantasy community in general, this is one of those players that is already kind of prone to be hated on or, <laughs> or, or pushed down rankings, right? I mean, we've, we've seen that uh, quite a bit over the years. So uh, with that in mind, yeah, I mean, I think the bottom really falls out of Daniel Jones' value. I, I definitely don't mind buying in super flex leagues. Uh, right. We know we can stash on, we can stash him on the IR for the rest of this season if your league has those spots, uh, and, and the price is certainly going to drop. I'm, I mean, I'm almost always in favor of buying injured players uh, because we typically do see a value increase once they're back on the field. But when I think about that, like in regards to, and I didn't have these guys that far apart in redraft rankings this year. But we've got a couple of elderly quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, who have just torn their Achilles. And they were kind of, for me, in that borderline top 12. Now, obviously, Cousins played great this year. Borderline top right. 12 range. Um, Cousins doesn't have a team as of right now for next year. I still think I'd rather buy Rodgers or Cousins for a pick than I would Jones right now. Uh, yeah, I think I would as well. And... um I think there's a chance they're all 
priced about the same. You know, I mean, there's right. concerns, uh, both Cousins and Rogers. The the Achilles injuries is a more severe one. They're obviously quite a bit older than Jones, so the price may be similar for all three of those players. And uh, I'm with you, Heath. If if we're just ranking those, if I know I can get any of them for two third rounders or for a late second right. rounder, uh, Jones would probably be my my last option of those. How far has he fallen? And, and for good reason. But the other news, the other side of this thing, we got a quarterback coming back from an ACL injury, and it's been kind of a long journey. Yeah, uh, we used the full three week window in terms of practice time, but Kyler Murray will be returning against the Falcons this week. For me, a pretty difficult guy to rank in terms of that that low end QB one range of guys. And most of the guys in that range are difficult to rank, I guess. But I still think like we've seen, obviously, the top five upside from Kyler. What are your expectations for him rest of season? And then where do you have him for Dynasty? Um, I, I'm excited to see him come back. I mean, I think he's right. been the easiest, one of the easiest uh, Dynasty buys for mm-hmm. months, really. Uh, you know, we knew he was coming back. It was obviously a question of when. And, and there was talk that he would miss the entire uh, the entire season or that the Cardinals would sit him out for the entire season. Uh, that obviously is, is not happening at this point. Um, and the, you know, the quarterback position with the injuries, we already talked about, about three of those guys, uh, but we, we've got some injuries. We've got poor play uh, from guys we were counting on as possible low end quarterback ones, if, you know, Deshaun Watson thinking about him. We need Kyler Murray. Like we need right. Kyler Murray to come back and come back strong. So I think he's he he has moved up in our latest ADP back into that low end QB one range. He's actually one of the top dynasty risers among quarterbacks. So I I don't think I mean he's not going to regain that value as a top three top five guy where he was a couple of years ago. But I do think he can certainly be back into the automatic weekly starter range and low end dynasty QB one. Yeah, that's. I, I think I've got him twelfth right now. I know one of the one of the I believe fallers we're going to talk about is Justin Fields a little bit later in the mm. show because of how likely it now seems that the Bears are going to have a quarterback. And I think those two are pretty interesting to compare. But it's kind of hard for me to make a case for Fields over Kyler, and except for the fact that Fields might be better the rest of this season. Well, I do think they're in similar spots. You know that right. there have been. There have been rumors or or at least suggestion that uh, both of their teams could be moving on uh, from them if they if they get a shot at Caleb Williams or right. or honestly just could be moving on regardless. Um, I mean, one of them, almost certainly one of them will be with, with their current team next year and and maybe both. So, um, yeah, Fields versus Kyler. I'm probably taking Kyler there. Uh, yeah. I think we've. You know, we've seen that that history enough from him um, where where Fields is somewhat looking like a one hit wonder last year. Yeah, well, hopefully he's uh, I, I still think there's a potential for Fields to be a, a borderline league winner in fantasy playoffs this year. But yep. yeah, it might be that he does that. They win two games the rest of the year and he's still replaced. <laughs> and we don't know what to do with him beyond this year. I think this is one of those instances where I think it's John that says when he does his dynasty rankings, he tries to ignore this year. 
And I, I get that. I get the, the, but also like we do want to win a championship this year, or at least half the, probably half the teams still feel like they could right now. So you got to kind of factor that in as well. Let's take a short break and then we'll get to the, uh, to the waiver wire. Okay, Ryan. So I don't think you've been on for a, a waiver wire edition of this show. We try to look for guys who are rostered in less than 10% of leagues on CBS okay. leagues. Some of these guys I know, I'm going to hear from the deep dynasty crowd immediately. Well, this guy's rostered in my league. This guy's, of course. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're in a 40 man league, we're probably not going to give you a great waiver wire edition. You're just going to have to go scrounge and get lucky. But we did see Keaton Mitchell, who's 9% rostered, pop off in week nine, did his best Devon HN impersonation. And he was a guy, it was funny, he was a, a big time ad. In even redraft a few weeks ago when he was first coming back off the IR and he was you could still stash him. And then yeah. he came back and didn't really play for a couple of weeks, definitely got dropped in some leagues, rostered in most of my dynasty leagues, but I know there's certainly some 12 team leagues out there with regular roster limits where he's not. How excited are you about this kid? I'm pretty excited uh, based on the opportunity that I think he's going to have. And uh, of course, based on what we saw on Sunday, um, you, you know, the Ravens got out to that big lead and uh, Gus Edwards had scored once or twice uh, fairly early in the game. And then we start seeing these, these stat lines, you know, if you're watching the red zone, you start seeing these, these highlights pop up of Keaton Mitchell. I think he had a 40 yard run, also a 60 yard touchdown. And, Honestly, my first thought was, oh, it's garbage time. The Ravens are killing them. So they're giving this, this uh, rookie, this undrafted rookie, a shot. And that was not the case. You know, uh, right. as they salted away the victory in, in the fourth, round, uh, fourth uh, quarter, it was, uh, it was Justice Hill who, who got the mop-up duty. So uh, I think Keaton Mitchell's a great compliment to Gus Edwards. Um, Keaton Mitchell does things that uh, certainly that Edwards and Justice Hill cannot do at least we haven't seen it from those guys consistently so i think he's going to have a real role moving forward the ravens look like uh you know certainly one of the best teams in the league if not the best uh overall and uh yeah mitchell mitchell needs to be a priority ad for sure uh and and what you're describing is, is exactly what happened in my leagues right there was there was a little bit of hype on him when he got activated from the injured reserve everybody thought it was going to be an automatic impact for this guy and uh they they took their time which you've got to do with an undrafted rookie um but yeah sudden, suddenly he's looking like a a must-have if he's on your waiver wire i i think the combination of a guy with his big playability and wild efficiency in college in assist yeah. next to lamar jackson who just like you go st I, you go stand next to lamar jackson and you're gonna get five yards per carry we saw Mark yeah. Ingram at the end of his career, five yards per carry. Gus Edwards, almost always five yards per carry. Like, So I, I do think Mitchell could be – I made the HN comparison. It's probably a lesser mm. value of that, but it's just you don't have to touch the ball 20 times if you can average six yards right. per carry. And you don't have to get goal line carries if you can score from the 50. So I, yeah. I, I'm definitely the, the, the priority on the waiver wire and the only guy who I think could actually be a difference maker – I've got a section here called the rest and three of them uh, I noticed are giants. So I, I'm just going to, I want to go through those three guys first. Tommy DeVito took a step forward in his second appearance and now mm. probably going to get first team reps on a regular basis. They're going to be playing from behind. He's going to, is he a guy in a super flex league that you add as a band aid, or is he, 
the type the le- so low of a level of quarterback that you'd rather just start a flex running back or wide receiver over him? Yeah, probably both, honestly. Uh, right. I mean, in, in most of my leagues, any quarterback that's that's playing or any quarterback that even has uh, a chance to play is worthy of a roster spot. So, yeah, in, in a typical Superflex Dynasty League, absolutely worth an ad. Um, am I going to be willing to click that button and start him? Probably <laughs> not. I mean, we would have to see, uh, we would have to see a lot more and it's honestly, it's not even all about him. It's about that offense in general. We talked about mm-hmm. Jones earlier. Uh, I mean, he was struggling to produce, uh, e- even before the, uh, you know, before the injury issues. So it, it, that offense is, is in shambles right now for sure. Um, you know, obviously the the injury to Darren Waller on top of that, uh, they, they've got all these undersized wide receivers and, you know, we get flashes, right? We get flashes of Wandale Robinson. I, I love my, my uh, Kentucky guy there. Uh, but in general, th- those guys have disappointed. That offense overall has disappointed. So I can't imagine starting Tommy DeVito, but I will definitely be trying to add him. Just just put him on the back end of the roster, and then maybe something crazy will happen. Yeah, uh, I, I did notice uh, Darius Slayton, season-high seven targets in this game against the Raiders. There's only 9.9 PPR fantasy points, but he's all the way down to 4% rostered in CBS leagues, so just uh, rostered in the very deepest of leagues. We're talking about a guy who's already 26, will turn 27 in January, has never really hit might matter for a short stretch is Slayton someone you'd like to have on the back of your roster or is he just a roster clogger yeah that's what, exactly what I was going to say I think he's a roster clogger I talk about that over at DLF quite a bit and and those are guys we we want to avoid having on our roster we we hope that we drop those players and somebody else in our league picks them up to clog their roster you can't start him with confidence he has no trade value he's a roster clogger so one more giant, and uh, this guy was maybe still just rostered because nobody dropped him when Darren Waller was signed. Mm. But Daniel Bellinger was a guy that had some appeal in his rookie season. Now Waller's out for what I would guess be the rest of the season, but that's not confirmed. He might come back late in the year. Um, it, is Be- Bellinger somebody you only want to roster in a tight end premium league, or does he have any appeal in just your regular league where you have to start one tight end? Yeah, I think he's got some appeal. He did did play well as a rookie. Um, as you mentioned, his value was kind of kind of uh, destroyed when they brought in Waller. Uh, but I'm with you. I, I'm kind of expecting Waller to be done for the year at this point. Um, and, and then again, a lot of this goes to the state of the tight end position. Just how how tough it is to to find a reliable guy uh, on a weekly basis. And I'm, I'm not saying that well. Uh, uh, Bellinger will be reliable either, but you know, he, he's going to pop off. He's going to get some opportunity. Um, so yeah, w- worth a roster spot and worth a spot start if you're, uh, in a bad spot. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think he could be a, a top 20 tight end rest of season that the weeks yeah. that he scores a touchdown, he's a starter. Now, how many touchdowns will the Giants score? They have an over under yeah. of 11 and a half this week against the Cowboys. So probably not a lot Four field goals and they hit the over. Uh, two backup running backs, and I, I'm probably more scavenging the waiver wire for these kind of guys than than the average fantasy manager because I have these teams with six young wide receivers that I love, 
and one running back that I can start. And I'm just I'm just stockpiling my bench, hoping I can find one guy who turns into a starter. So a couple of guys I saw at below five percent or below. Ty Chandler, five percent rostered. We've got Cam Akers out for the season with an Achilles. I would assume Chandler is the direct backup to Madison, who at any point could just fumble away his job. And then Travion Williams seems to be the clear RB2 behind Joe Mixon, who was on the injury report last week, is of that age where an injury could happen at any time. How do you feel about those two backs? Do you have a strong preference between Chandler and Williams? Yeah, I prefer Chandler. Um, I mean, there was there was actually a lot of <clears throat> a lot of hype on him. Uh, coming into the season or, or, you know, relatively a lot of hype on him. And um, part of that was the, uh, the doubts, I guess, about Alexander Madison being yep. able to handle that full-time starting role. And we'd actually seen Cam Akers start to eat into Madison's role pre-injury. Uh, but clearly with Akers done now, I'm with you. I assume that, uh, that that job will once again be Ty Chandler's. And I, I think he again is going to have, going to have a role and, at this point, it probably would take a Madison injury to be able to start Chandler, uh, but I, I think he's roster worthy at this point. Um, and, and Trevion also worth the roster spot, but definitely would need a mix in injury to be able to use him. Right. Yeah. Ch- I think that's the difference is Chandler, and I think it's probably still a long shot. Like Madison probably keeps the job yeah. unless things go terribly, but Chandler, there is a possibility he could take the job. That's not the possibility for Travion Williams. There is one more wide receiver. We started with a guy that people will say, well, he's already rostered in my dynasty league. And this guy might be too, but Khalil Shakir, after doing absolutely nothing as a rookie, absolutely nothing the first month and a half of the season, all of a sudden the last couple of weeks, he's pretty involved since that Dawson Knox injury. I, I love this stat. He's seen 19 targets this year. He's caught 18 of them. That is the mm. type of thing that might earn you more targets. And we, we've seen in the past in a Josh Allen offense, that slot role, turn into seven, eight, nine targets per game. I know Dalton Kincaid's doing a lot of that, but he's being forced to play more real tight end right now. What's your interest in Khalil Shakir? Is he a, is he a must-roster player in Dynasty? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And honestly, I'm I'm surprised after that big uh, Thursday night game a couple weeks right. ago that uh, that we didn't, didn't get the roster number higher here. But, uh, you know, honestly, part of that is – by uh, by the time it's we're ready to do waivers on Tuesday or Wednesday of the following week, we've almost forgotten what happened on that Thursday game. So he slipped through the cracks a little bit. If he's available in your league, I would be adding him. I think his increase in production and usage, kind of a perfect storm. Obviously, the Knox injury allowed him to get on the field more. We talked about or, or we've heard really all season that the Bills need a another consistent threat. It uh, looks like it's go- that's going to be Dalton Kincaid, but uh, he's not going to do it all by himself. And, and then um, uh, finally, just the hit to the Bills' defense. They've lost multiple um, key defensive players for the season, and they're they're going to be in more, uh, more shootouts where they have to pass the ball, uh, maybe more than we've seen the past couple of years. So we did something new this week, Ryan. We, we asked our Facebook group for, for guys that they were, you know, I, they wanted to hear from you about the yeah. what, where the value stands. And some of these guys, I, I don't imagine it's changed very much at all. In fact, the first one I want to ask you about, because I know he's still my RB1, I'm certain he's still RB1 mm. in the ADP, it's Bajan Robinson. But yeah. the fact that we have dynasty managers saying, I want to hear what everybody thinks about Bajan Robinson means 
there's at least a little bit of doubt or question mark creeping in for some people. I don't think it has anything to do with the player. I think it has everything to do with Arthur Smith. At this, And that seems a little bit silly with a prospect like Robinson. But we're in year three of Kyle Pitts. We're in year two of Drake yeah. London. And neither of those guys have yet lived up to their hype, their hope, their skill. So do you have any concerns about Robinson? I, I did notice because I've kind of got a, a little value way of, of ranking my players. And Brees Hall is much closer to Bajan Robinson than he's been since Robinson was drafted for me. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many layers to this. Yes, he's still my still my RB1. Let's start there. Um, we, we saw a lot of talk after the game on Sunday where it feels like you know, it feels like the frustrations have been steadily bubbling up and now, and now maybe, maybe uh, boiling over. We had the headache game a couple weeks ago and, and then just a, you know, a, a lack of usage, a lack of touches for uh, Robinson again last Sunday. So I, I saw some buy low talk, which is kind of crazy to think about when you're talking about the overall <laughs> dynasty RB one uh, based on almost anyone's rankings or dynasty ADP. I think this is one of those cases where the buy low is not the price you have to pay, but it's just the willingness of the other manager to even consider it. Right. right? Because up until maybe a couple of weeks ago, it was an automatic. No. If you ask about Bijan Robinson, when it comes to a trade, like we're not even, we're not even having the conversation. And now maybe those conversations are starting. It's still going to be very costly. It's still going to cost you Brees Hall plus Jameer Gibbs plus, um, you know, whoever, whoever you want to throw out, we're still talking about, uh, I would say at least three future first rounders, maybe, maybe even four. So the price is still super high as far as his actual situation on the field in Atlanta. My answer is the same as it has been with Pitts and with London. I think those three players outlast that coaching staff and, and the more losses they take and, and the more struggles they have, that becomes more and more obvious, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Smith uh, doesn't even make it through the rest of the season or or this is his last season there. And then I think everything will be fine. I think with uh, with basically any other coach in the league, these three players would be excelling on a weekly basis. And the good news is they all entered the league, all three, Pitts, London, and Bijan, all entered the league as young prospects. So uh, we, we still have time. We, we don't have to give up on any of them. They're not aging out by any means. I, I do love the fact that like this entire dynasty community is now cheering against the Falcons on, on a yeah. weekly basis. And yeah. thank you, Joshua Dobbs. But I, I do, like, I still have a little hesitation about this idea of Arthur Smith being gone next year because they've got, the Saints are the only team left on their schedule with a winning record. They play the Saints twice. Yeah. Every other they play the Bears, the Colts, the Panthers, the Buccaneers, the Jets, the Cardinals. Like they could very easily go nine and eight and win that division still, and it would be a crushing blow. Yeah, it really would be. You're right. <laughs> uh, I put it. I wrote in uh, in my Dynasty Blueprint article this week that he that Arthur Smith has clearly become the most hated man in Dynasty, and I don't think there's any question about that at this point. No, no, there's there's not. Now, on the positive side, by far the 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 biggest question we got both in on the Facebook group and in, in tweets to me this week is please talk about the Texans. 
please talk uh, about the, the the fantasy value of the Texans. And I will tell you, I want to start with CJ Stroud because I I can make a case for CJ Stroud as a, a top five dynasty quarterback right now. Like elite college production, elite draft capital. Yes, we poo-pooed him a little bit because he doesn't run, but several of the top dynasty quarterbacks don't run for three or four hundred yards a season. Right. I've got him right now at QB seven, just ahead of Tua and Trevor Lawrence. Sounds ridiculous to say he's ahead of Trevor Lawrence, but what's the case for <laughs> Trevor Lawrence over CJ Stroud right now? Well, we, we've we've seen a higher upside from Stroud, and that was actually something that I had recently questioned was Stroud's upside. Not not questioning, I guess, is not fair because I didn't um, I didn't doubt it. I just pointed out that we hadn't really seen. The right. upside yet, and obviously we have now as he <laughs> broke multiple records on Sunday with with those uh those video game numbers. I, I don't think you're out of line at quarterback seven. Looking at our latest ADP, he's the quarterback ten. He's behind Lawrence, Tua, and Richardson most notably. Um, I, I think I'm I'm ready to move him ahead of Lawrence. In fact, I did that already. Uh, as, as as fun as Richardson is, obviously the injury hurts his value somewhat. And, right. and the question about his um, his durability moving forward, I think, hurts his value. So uh, he's still a player that's actually gaining value through this injury, which is uh, almost unheard of. Uh, but, yeah, you, you've got to take Stroud over him at this point. So seven looks kind of like the floor for uh, – looks like the, the floor for C.J. Stroud right now. And if you want to move him ahead of Joe Burrow, ahead of maybe even Justin Herbert – that's probably not not uh, far out of line. Well, that's, I think that's the thing is what what we need now is to see from like right now he's in CBS scoring QB three on a per game basis or QB four. Yeah. Um, if you've been if you count Cousins or not, we need to see a, a full season of him producing like this. But if if he's at in this range for an entire season and he's four years younger than Herbert and five years younger than Burrow then yeah, I think if he's the same kind of guy and we're seeing him do this without having Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as his top two wide receivers. Speaking of the wide receivers, I think we need to get there next because I've been a big Tank Dell guy all from the beginning. He was my most drafted rookie. I did trade him away once in one league because I had so much exposure that after his first good game, I thought, let's take a profit here. And I'm I'm still kicking myself over that. But I'm curious where the community where where you guys are at on Dell versus Nico Collins and how much those two have risen in the rankings over the last well a couple of months because I, I I am getting close to putting Dell into that like I've already moved him ahead of Quentin Johnston for example yeah I, I think that's a uh totally understandable. I, I was not on tank Dell at all. Uh, I wish I'd listened to you and, and my buddy, Matt price. Uh, uh, Matt was a big believer in tank Dell as, as well. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was focused on one number and that was his, his height or his yeah. size and couldn't, couldn't overlook that for, for whatever reason. But yeah, obviously Collins and, and Dell are both big risers. Um, Comparing September ADP to our current November ADP, and I know I know we're going to get into this a little bit more soon, right. but uh, Tank Dell is up 21 spots just among wide receivers, and Nico Collins is up 26 spots among wide receivers. So two of the uh, two of the biggest risers 
at their position and, and deservedly. So I, you know, I do though, kind of looking at Texans big picture and thinking about Stroud, it does kind of make me laugh as I've seen some comparisons between Stroud and young and, you know, we'll, we'll see those comparisons the rest of their career really. Right. Um, but I've seen some excuses for young essentially saying he doesn't have the, the weapons that CJ Stroud does. And it's, it's like, come on, there's, there's no running game. And as good as Collins and Dell have been six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, we would have, we would have laughed at, at those as his right. top weapons. And you could, could have easily argued that um, Jonathan Mingo and Adam Thielen and Terrace Marshall and, and DJ Chark and those guys were a better, uh, a better supporting cast there in Carolina. So um, it, it's, it's CJ Stroud improving uh, those, those players as pass catchers. And honestly, it's that, it's that, it's that OC Bobby uh, Slovic who yeah. is, probably going to be leaving Houston very soon <laughs> if this team keeps playing uh, like they have been he'll he'll be in line for a, for a uh, promotion somewhere the thing i love about the, the people asking for a breakdown of the texans is that every single position we've got something wild to talk about and damian pierce the the advice to sell your day 3 or udfa running backs who have success mm. at rookies remains almost undefeated Yes. Pierce's value just absolutely cratering. I can't move him down fast enough in my rankings. Right. And I I hate it because I do think like talent-wise, there's some really good stuff there. But I thought the same thing about James Robinson when things started to fall apart. And it's pretty rare for this type of profile to start moving this direction and then rebound, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. Uh, I mean, we see, we see usually one a year of these guys, those day three, or maybe even undrafted, uh, usually rookies that, that pop off, have a big season. And it, it's always such a divided community. Uh, those saying, absolutely take your profit, sell while you can. And, and there's always believers. And, you know, I just, I feel sorry for the believers because it almost never, ever works. Uh, and it's not going to work this time. Pierce is one of the biggest fallers among the running back position. He's down 13 spots over the past two months. Again, just, uh, just at the running back spot, he's outside of the top 30 dynasty running backs now. And I mean, he can't even, he can't even keep Devin Singletary off the field. So that's that's a pretty bad sign. It's it's a terrible sign. I think like it all the injuries one thing and I he'll be fine soon. But what re- yeah. where it really came to a head for me because Bobby Sloak you mentioned like they they've been talking about how they're going to get the run game going. They're very confident the run game's coming. They go through their bye and it was clear they came out of the bye thinking, "All right, now we're facing the Panthers. They can't stop anybody from running. We're going to show everybody this 49ers run concept. It still works here in Houston. And they just fell flat on their face. And my hope is that was also the springboard for CJ Stroud just taking off because they're not going to do that silliness anymore, having him throw 24 passes. But I I just don't, I don't have any hope for Pierce Hardly at all right now. No, I don't either. And I think there's some of these matchups that are so enticing Mm -hmm. that struggling players fall into, and it almost becomes kind of a last, a last chance situation. You know, if you can't produce as a running back against the Panthers, we're ready to give up on you. We even saw it on Monday night with Zach Wilson against the, uh, against the chargers. 
everybody's thrown on the chargers all year long. If you can't put up some fantasy numbers against the chargers, we're done. And, and I mean, we've been done with Zach Wilson for a while, but that, that was the final straw. So yeah, I think that's exactly what we saw with Pierce a couple weeks ago in that game. So I want to talk about uh, one more Texan. Can we just do the entire Texans roster? Uh, Dalton Schultz. He was, I, I mean, I remember a lot of talk in the off season about, you know, you're always looking for the tight end. You can be first and second on his team in targets. Dalton Schultz yep. could be because they don't have a number one wide receiver. And then again, the first month of the season just almost completely disappears, falls on his face. Now he looks like a clear tight end one over the last month. Even the down game a couple weeks ago, we had a 20% target share. This was a guy I was kind of skeptical about, honestly. Go, I thought that that his value yeah. was mostly attached to Dak Prescott and always there's a ki- Cowboys tight end one. Now it's Jake Ferguson. But Schultz has impressed me the last couple of weeks. Where, where are you at on him? I've got him as a tight end 13 in Dynasty right now. Yeah, that's about where I am as well. Outside of that, uh, outside of that top twelve or that tight end one range, but mm-hmm. I mean he's going to produce. And again, it's crazy to think about that Texans offense because we would have said there's really no weapons, and maybe Schultz will be the top target. And you look at that game on Sunday; Robert Woods didn't even play. So when when Woods comes back, now they've got Collins and, and Dell and Woods. Uh, Noah Brown is, is playing well. Uh, he's back from injury a couple weeks ago and, and then Schultz. So like, like almost every tight end, he's going to have those quiet games where the receivers are uh, the wide receivers are the, uh, the beneficiaries of that offense, but he's going to have the big games as well. So it's, it's the challenge with every tight end outside of the top four, uh, I would say is picking those right weeks to use those guys. We did have a couple of non-Texans that the people asked about. So uh, Chris Godwin, I think people are maybe getting just just a little bit nervous about Chris Godwin. Only has one touchdown on the season. Had the touchdown problems last year. We've seen a little bit of a a drop off in terms of efficiency over the last two seasons. We blamed last year on the fact that he was coming off the ACL. Now we're going to blame this year on the fact that he's got Baker Mayfield, but the Texans didn't, or the the, the Buccaneers didn't want to move Mike Evans at the deadline. He's going to be yeah. a part of their plans, even if they're rebuilding. And so I just like Godwin's now 27 will be 28 in February. I'm a little bit nervous about Chris Godwin ever being a wide receiver one again. Absolutely. I mean, whether you're talking fantasy uh, production or or dynasty value. I don't think he ever sniffs the wide receiver one range again, honestly. Um, I believe he just has one wide receiver one game on the season so far. So we're not getting that weekly production. You mentioned his age and the the wide receiver group in general is, is so deep right now that mm-hmm. uh, you think if you're a 26, 27, 28 year old guy and you're not producing – then yeah, give me give me Tank Dell instead, right? And right. and or or guys like that, right? And certainly Nico Collins, who I believe is is twenty four years old, has moved ahead of Godwin in value, at least in my opinion. So it, it's kind of a slippery slope there for guys like Godwin um, at that age, not producing. You're gonna fall. You're not just falling one or two spots. You might fall ten or fifteen spots as as a a whole horde of, of these young wide receivers overtake you. 
The final guy we're going to talk about here, uh, Gabe Davis of the Tundra, Christian Watson. Oh, yes. It's been uh, been a rough <sighs> sophomore season for him. He's now played uh, 19 games in the NFL, averaging about 40 receiving yards per, per game. Jordan Love, despite a good start to the season, doesn't uh, doesn't look very good at all right now. Have we seen any downward pressure on Christian Watson or people just still banking on the upside? No, we've seen um, a, a pretty significant value drop. Uh, he was actually the wide receiver 16 in our preseason ADP mm-hmm. in September. Uh, very lofty ranking there or value. Uh, down to wide receiver 27 right now. And I talked about the slippery slope with Godwin. I think Watson could fall off, um, you know, similarly to what we've seen with a guy like Kadarius Tony, who didn't just drop. He he plummeted down ADP and down ranking. So, I mean, I think we could be sitting here in two months and talk about Watson as a guy who's outside of the top 40 dynasty wide right. receivers. There were just there were just so many questions about him entering the league. I don't think he's answered any of those questions. You know, injuries being the number one. He had injury problems and 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 concerns throughout college, and obviously those have continued. Multiple injuries in these first uh, first year and a half or so of his career. Um, the drops that has continued to plague him as well. And it was like really the one thing he had going for him last year was he had one of the best quarterbacks in the world throwing him the ball, and uh, he does not have that anymore. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really really worried about Christian Watson. And I, I said uh, Zach Charbonnet was my number one buy. I think Christian Watson might be my number one sell, especially if you can get him or sell him. I should say it at that wide receiver twenty seven valuation. Yeah, he's he's just outside of my top 30 in, in this week's update. And I agree completely. Like outside of the top 40, I've got Gabe Davis at 42. I don't have to I don't have to squint very hard at all to see Christian Watson yeah. behind Gabe Davis in the in the very near future, which is uh frustrating for sure based on where he was before the season. Let's take our second break here and then we'll get some dynasty risers and fallers from ADP. Okay, first off, Ryan, I, I appreciate this list that you've sent me, and I appreciate the fact that we've already covered a lot of these guys yeah. throughout the course of the show. But there are a couple of quarterbacks in the risers that also risers for me. I'm curious how how high they've risen because it does feel like there's a pretty hard ceiling on these two. Brock Purdy and Sam Howell, guys who were you know around QB 20 for me coming into the season, I think. They're up around QB 15 now but they probably aren't ever going any higher, right? Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, honestly, about these two guys. Brock Purdy was quarterback 23 in September, uh, up to quarterback 14 now, so he's up nine spots. Hal went from 24 to quarterback 16. He's up eight spots. Uh, you know, the knock on these guys is pretty obvious that they're they're products of the system that they're in. Uh, we know that's the case in, in San Francisco with that offense. And, and uh, I mean, Washington, I saw a number the other day that Hal is, I believe on pace to set the record for number of dropbacks in, yep. uh, in a single season, which is, uh, which is unreal. And we've all heard the number that he is on pace to also break the uh, record of sacks taken in a single season. So, you know, at this point, we're just hoping Sam, Howell can, can survive this season without, uh, without dealing with some injuries. Uh, I like both players quite a bit. 
they're really, to me, locked in starters in, in that super flex format. Mm-hmm. Just plug them in at quarterback two. Hopefully you have one of those top six or seven guys as your QB one, and you're feeling really good because both of them have already put up multiple quarterback one games this season. Um, the, the question for Dynasty becomes, what's their long-term value? I do think Purdy still more likely to start next year than hell. I also, yes. and this might just be a bias for me against against Purdy, but I, I'd rather have Hal if I'm competing for a championship this year. I'd rather have Hal rest Ooh. of season. And I think like it's hard for me to imagine Washington losing enough games to where they're drafting a quarterback that definitely replaces Hal next year. So I'd lean towards, yes, Purdy starting week one next year, probably Hal starting week one next year. Where are you at on that? I, I would totally agree with both of those. And honestly, my concern with Hal is, is, is just the injury. Um, and he doesn't even necessarily have a, um, a history of injuries, but honestly, the, the amount right. of times that he's being sacked and, and being pressured, it, it's worrisome. So um, yeah, I, I feel good if I've got him right now, plugging him into the lineup every week, like we said, but uh, it feels like the, the other shoe could drop at any moment. Yeah, he's one of those. Like, I think a lot of times people think when they're rebuilding that you trade the old guys. Hell, definitely one of those young guys that you trade if you're rebuilding. Like, get him on a contender roster and get something you know is going to be worth something next year. The two fallers at quarterback, Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields, I I could not agree more. I wonder if I'm, uh, I still like Fields considerably more than Watson. Is that uh, that still reflected in the ADP? Yeah, it is. Uh, both of them, as you said, are fallers. Watson goes from 10 to 17 among quarterbacks, and Justin Fields goes uh, outside of that QB1 range. He falls from 8 to 13. Um, I mean, I, I see a clear path, and you've kind of mentioned it earlier in the show. I see a clear path for Fields to regain some of this value, uh, get back up into the QB1 range. It sounds yep. like he will be back on the field soon. Watson, I mean, like everybody else in the fantasy community, I'm worried about this guy. You know, a little bit of a little bit of hope, I guess. He has finished four games this season, uh, started and finished four games this season, and he's been a top 10 fantasy quarterback in three of those games. So right. he is producing, but all of the all of the other stuff that comes with it and you know was was it really a shoulder injury and was it really that bad and what else is going on? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably just looking for somebody else instead of Watson. I want to talk about a couple of running backs. I know we won't get to the entire list, but a couple of running backs that you had on the risers list, mm-hmm. Kyron Williams, who we're expecting back in a couple of weeks, I believe he has to miss one more game and he's on a bye this week. So we're looking at probably, <clears throat> what would that be? Week 12 return for yeah. him. And then Jerome Ford, Two risers who I, again, feel like are young guys that I would like to sell if I don't think I can win a championship this year. Well, if I don't think I can win a championship this year, I want to sell basically every running back outside (laughs) of the top, outside of the top three or four, right? Right. Um, Any running back with value, I would be willing to sell other than those, those four or five guys at the very top. So yeah, if you've got Kyron Williams, Jerome Ford, you most likely got those guys from the waiver wire, if you're not making the playoffs or uh, honestly not a favorite to make a deep playoff run, I would be selling both of those guys. Uh, with that said, I think there's a, a pretty good chance that Jerome Ford is um, is the starter week one next year. 
Uh, obviously, that injury to Nick Chubb is uh, very serious, and and questions about his future um, almost certainly will not be ready for Week One, I would imagine. Uh, and, and I think Ford has been has been really good for Cleveland. Right. So I like Ford. He's he moves from RB fifty eight preseason to RB twenty nine. Kyron Williams, the biggest riser among the running back position, up from RB seventy seven to RB twenty six. And I, I am slightly behind that on Williams. I am more behind that on Ford, although I've got him at 28 and 31. So, again, I'm just a little bit lower on both of those yeah. guys. We've got we've got several dynasty fallers at running back. We already talked about Damian Pierce, but I've got, I've got five guys here. And I do think, like, trying to buy low on falling running backs is like trying to catch a falling knife. <laughs> um, it, it doesn't work out very often, but... If you had to buy one of these five running backs that are falling, Nick Chubb, Damian Pierce, Aaron Jones, Ramondre Stevenson, and Najee Harris, which one would you buy? Uh, Aaron Jones is the easy answer for me. Um, I I think he's falling in part due to uh, the injury that he suffered in week one. We saw him have a big week one game. I believe Mm -hmm. actually he was the overall RB1 in the season opener and has, has struggled with that injury uh, really, the 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 rest of the season throughout, um, we saw another big game in Week Nine from him. Looks like he's all the way back. He was the RB uh, six, I believe, this past week. So he he's the one that I want of this group. And even big picture, he would be a a top trade target for me for a, a contending dynasty team. Right, and he obviously he turns twenty nine in December, so he is only a, a buy. For a contender, is that a? uh, Are you trying to get him for two seconds? Is that what you're looking for, or would you would you consider a late first if you're the best team in the league? Oh no, I'm not. I'm not giving a first. No way. Right. Um, Okay. Two seconds honestly feels even even pretty steep. I think you can get him for a second and and a prospect. Okay. All right, second and a prospect for Aaron Jones. We've got some risers at wide receiver. And again, some of these are pretty obvious. We already talked about Nico and Tank Dell. Puka Nakua, though, stole the show the first four months of the season without Cooper Cup. Has been good in terms of targets per route run since Cup came back. But there's obviously been some extenuating circumstances with Matthew Stafford's health. I think he has three of his last four games, seven PPR fantasy points or fewer. I'm curious, how high did Puka Nakua rise? Is he the clear wide receiver one in this class by dynasty rankings? Uh, he's not the wide receiver one in the class. No, we, we've got Jordan Addison above him based on ADP, uh, but he's the top riser over the past couple months. In fact, by a wide, wide margin, uh, Puka goes from wide receiver 74 in September <laughs> to the wide receiver 14 in uh, in our latest ADP. So he's just outside the wide receiver one range overall, a, a jump of 58 spots. The next highest riser was Rashid Shahid, who's up 32 spots. So uh, Puka, clearly the, the, uh, the, the guy gaining the most value here. And like you said, that's, that's starting to cool off. You know, we'll, we'll uh, be back collecting our December dynasty ADP uh, here, you know, before we know it, honestly. And, and I don't think he'll be at wide receiver 14. I'd, I'd look for him more in that 17 or 18 range um, cool. with, with a little bit of, with a little bit of a, of a value drop, but still a player that I want to invest in. So you, when you see that 14, you're not thinking let's get out while we're, while we're this high, because it's going back the other direction. You're thinking it's, it's still, it's a little bit high. 
but you'd still like to acquire him. Yep, absolutely. We've got uh, five, six fallers. We've already talked about a couple of these as well, but Calvin Ridley, Traylon Burks, Jahan Dotson, Jerry Judy, Christian Watson, Debo Samuel. I'll flip the question on its head. Which, which of these six are you most concerned about? And you can't say Christian Watson. So Burks, Ridley, Dotson, Judy, and Debo. Who, who do you think that uh, you get no interest in acquiring? Um, man, it, it, it's tough to narrow it down. It's certainly not Debo uh, and it's not Ridley. I, I feel, okay. uh, I still feel relatively confident in those guys. Um, Burks and Judy, I just want no part of, honestly. Right. Um, we've really never seen it from either one of those players. Uh, obviously, Burks is, is uh, just a little over a year into his career. So don't want to, uh, you know, don't want to totally give up on him. But yeah, I do kind of want to totally give up on him because there were some of these same concerns about him entering the league. Uh, as we said, with Watson injuries, um, and that has shown to be true with Burke's multiple injuries again in his first couple of years. And Jerry Judy's just always been overvalued, right? He was the wide receiver one in his rookie class. And we just have kept those expectations right. high. And uh, I mean, even when Cortland Sutton has been off the field, even when they uh, got him a quarterback upgrade, like he's just never produced. Right. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm actively buying Debo. I think Ridley will be fine. I, I do think that yeah. it's he should have fallen because the hype was out of control and the expectation that he could just miss two years of football and come back and be the same guy was not fair. But it's yeah. probably a time now. Let's let's buy. I, I'm looking forward to the Jahan Dotson boomerang back up the rankings because I think yeah. probably from the moment that you acquired this data, he started putting up double digit PPR fantasy points again. Is Dotson or McLaurin ranked higher? Do you have that right right now? Which one is is higher in the in the current dynasty ADP? Uh, yeah, we can find that. I believe it is Terry McLaurin. Um, let's see, McLaurin is uh, sixty five overall, and Dotson is seventy one overall. So yeah, they're they're pretty close in that same range. Both uh, both six rounders in our one quarterback ADP. Um, Back to Ridley really quickly, though. I totally agree with you. This is just a, a matter of the hype got out of control. We see that every year in Dynasty Leagues. If you're in a late startup and in August or, or you know even the, the first part of September, right before the season kicks off, you're essentially coming into that with a redraft mindset, um, not, not because of a certain strategy, but because we've been inundated with uh, redraft talk, you know, for the, right. the weeks leading up to the season and, and guys like Ridley, you know, if you're talking about underdog or, or CBS ADP or what, you know, whatever source you want to use there, we saw him shooting up the draft board all off season uh, with our dynasty data. He ended up as the wide receiver 19, which was just simply way, way too high. Right. Now he drops 19 spots and he's wide receiver 38 which is probably where he should have been all along. Yeah, and I and I think I might even be just a little bit high. I've got him at 37. So, and and I yeah. I I bought into the hype a little bit, but he didn't ever get higher than than wide receiver 30 or so for me. Um we we've got some some breaking news here because I didn't even notice this, but Kyle Pitts I didn't think it was possible. Kyle Pitts is falling in dynasty. He, he is he's no longer tight end one. How how far has he fallen? Is he behind Kincaid and Laporta yet? 
he he's fallen, uh, you know, significantly. It doesn't look like a big drop because he only dropped three spots, much right. less than some of the other players we've been talking about. But when you're referencing a guy who has been the 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 top of his uh, position for so long, that's pretty significant. He's down to uh, tight end six. He is behind Sam Laporta, and so is everybody else because Sam Laporta is the dynasty tight end one based wow. on our ADP. And uh, also behind Dalton Kincaid, who is tight end five. So we've okay. we've got it uh, based again. This is based on November DLF Dynasty ADP. We've got Laporta, Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, uh, Kincaid at five, and then Pitts at six. Okay, so I've got all those. Like that is the same top six that I have, and I've got Trey McBride, another riser that is is my tight end seven right now. But uh, I do think it's interesting. I, I still got Andrews as the tight end one. I also wouldn't be surprised when we get to December if you see Hawkinson fall even more in this group now that he's not mm-hmm. going to have Cousins for the rest of the season because a lot of his value is based on where he is right now. But I think at tight end six, I'm buying Kyle Pitts. Are you with me? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, going back to the Atlanta conversation, if it's not this year, you know, uh, it, it's going to be soon, right? We're going to see Arthur Smith. Uh, gone from that team one way or another. And, you know, the free Kyle Pitts, free Drake London, free B. John Robinson, all of that will come to fruition. And yeah, I'm buying low on any of those three that I can get, but certainly Kyle Pitts. We're buying Kyle Pitts. It feels good after two years of calling him a bust and saying <laughs> he's been ranked too high. Just lose, Falcons lose. Ryan, thank you for so much for being here. It's always a fun time getting to talk to you. Tell everybody once again where they can find your work. Sure, you can check out my work at DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Follow me on Twitter at RyanMC23. Thanks for having me, Heath. And I want to thank you guys for watching here on YouTube. Thank you for everybody who's listening. If you could give us a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic. We will talk to you next Tuesday.